Okay. Welcome to the second yellow soccer show on ESPN 730 The Game. I am Brad Barnett, and today we are shifting our focus to the most successful soccer team in the state of North Carolina, uh, the North Carolina Courage. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit of North Carolina FC as well. Uh, joining me today is the president and general manager of the North Carolina Courage, as well as uh, NCFC, a member of the North Carolina Soccer Hall of Fame, and a proud NC State alum, Mr. Kurt Johnson. Kurt, thanks for being on and joining me. And how are you today? Good. I'm doing great. Uh, please Wonderful. To Thank you for, for joining. Like I said, I know it's, we've been going back and forth, but I definitely wanted to get you on before the Courage uh, started their opening game today of the campaign of 2019 after a successful 2018. And we'll get into that. But first, I wanted to give you a chance to to plug the Women's International Champions Cup. Uh, courage coming off of the, the inaugural event in Miami last year, uh, beating, I think it was Lyon, if I'm not mistaken, 1-0 in the final in Miami. Is that correct? And it's going to be uh, at Saline Stadium in Cary. Why don't you tell correct. us a little bit about that? And, and why everybody should come out and, and give the Courage a, a nice little cheering section. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for the opportunity. To, we're thrilled to be able to host the second uh, version of the International Champions Cup. Many people are, are familiar with relevant sports and, and what they've done on the men's side uh, with this uh, series of, of games and uh, in, in the preseason for the European teams, uh, as well as South American teams that come in. And, and last year, for the first time, Relevant Sports organized a uh, women's portion of International Champions Cup uh, with four teams, Lyon, PSG, and, and Man City, and, and of course, the Courage. And, and that was held in Miami uh, at Hard Rock Stadium. And the Courage uh, beat PSG in the first game, and then Lyon in the, in the championship game, the two winner, winners met, and uh, it was it was tremendous to get those four uh, organizations together and play, you know, what, what many would say is, is kind of a, a club world cup, a club world championship. And so we were big proponents uh, of, of, of doing it again in year two. Uh, ICC and relevant sports has, has organized it. Um, we started conversations last year about the potential of hosting it in a, in a soccer specific venue, um, more appropriately sized than in a home market. Uh, and uh, we were able to work it out to, to host and, and are thrilled to do so in August uh, with um, three other teams coming in, Atletico Madrid, Man City and Lyon, in addition to the Courage. So we'll look to defend our, our trophy. Let me ask you this because it was in Miami title, and I heard uh, in August. the attendance was just a little bit less than what they wanted to. And it's it's probably not where they expected it to be, or maybe it was, but the stadium itself just lended it to look a little bit smaller. You guys have hosted several big time events, um, both men and women's national teams. I've been to, uh, to carry and and wake med park and it's a a very intimate setting. Is that going to, is that going to lend itself more towards the growth of the women's game or it, it, is it going to be, I guess what I'm trying to say is not necessarily the growth, but is it going to, be a better venue in general because it is more intimate, which could then lead to the growth of the game. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that uh, holding it in a home market of, of one of the participating teams is, a, is, is important um, at this stage. And as we work to tell the story of what this event is all about, um, trying to bring together the best of the best in, in women's club soccer, uh, so it only makes sense to host it at, at a home venue of one of the participating teams. We do have a long history of hosting uh, big, big soccer events. Um, I believe last year we probably set some type of record for the, the type of events that we were able to host uh, at, at Salem Stadium at Wake Med Soccer Park. I don't think any other venue possibly ever has hosted the the variety of of men's and women's events and so it, it was natural for us to to want to 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 put a deal together with with relevant sports um we were able to do it and uh we'll officially do an official launch on april 25th in conjunction with uh with relevant sports in downtown raleigh uh so we'll uh, officially launch uh the icc event um with a big downtown event, uh, lots of our, all of our uh, players that are pursuing their World Cup dreams will be honored there and uh, some big VIP guests, music. Uh, so that'll be uh, beautiful. Okay, looking forward to that April as well. And, you know, we've had here in Charlotte, we've had the ICC on the men's side here for several years, um, usually drawing crowds upwards of, of 55,000 plus. So I'm looking forward to seeing that stadium sold out. I was there for one of the women's national teams games, national team games last year, and it's an intimate venue and it's a, a wonderful experience. So um, I might just find myself up there with my 13 year old daughter when it comes time to watch a few games. So be on the lookout for me. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. We're hoping lots of folks from all over North Carolina, uh, in particularly Charlotte and, and Wilmington, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, uh, can get themselves there uh, for the Thursday. Yeah, and that will be after the Women's World the Cup. Sunday so afternoon all the World Cup hour. players should be available and playing, right? Wonderful. All right, well, we're looking forward to that. That's Let's right. go ahead and jump That's into right. uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted you on the phone is to jump into the, uh, the, the actual season for the Courage, the NWSL. So coming off a very successful campaign last year, I think you might agree with that, uh, in, a, in a championship after, I believe you defeated Portland in Portland. Is that right? That's correct. Yep, 3-0 uh, win in Portland in front of uh, – a packed house uh, in their great stadium. And so it was, what are you uh, looking forward to this year? Obviously to it's, an uh, amazing it might year. be a little bit different starting off with some world cup players not being available, but how have you structured the team to make sure that you can continue that run again this year? Well, we opened tonight at seven o'clock against Chicago and, and uh, we're very much looking forward to that home game. Um, and, we will, uh, you know, the, the structure, I think something that's benefited us is that uh, the, the roster, the size of the roster has been expanded. Um, we now can have a maximum of 26 rostered players, um, and that's up significantly uh, from last year. So that will help us. Uh, having said that, we're going to lose – seven, eight players uh, during the World Cup and, and, and prior to the World Cup as, as the, the national teams prepare 
So that's that's tough. And, and you know, the good news is we've had a lot of players uh, over the last couple of years step up. ICC last year provided a tremendous opportunity for for a number of our players uh, to to make names for themselves and and uh, uh, to to help us win that while our national team players were were uh, away with uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. So um, yeah, depth of roster certainly been a focal point over the last I would say year and a half as we geared up for. The 2019 so 26 World roster Cup players and, now. And how, how much has that gone up? What was it last year? Yeah, we we the the maximum was um, uh, 22, I believe, last year. Um, with the the contraction of uh, Boston, um, some teams added one or two in addition to that. Um, so okay, we so, I mean, in, that's in significantly uh, not a huge year. impact in terms of numbers, but it is in a World Cup year for sure. It does. Yeah, those those three or so extra spots are, are huge for us this year. And and even in addition to that, we'll have to sign uh, uh, at least two, three um, national team replacement players uh, at the peak when when all of our national team players have gone for the World Cup. So a little bit to be determined. Uh, obviously, the rosters mm-hmm. for the, the national teams are, are not all set as of yet. So we'll know more in the next couple all of right. weeks. As so released, uh, any you open up tonight against Chicago. To um, you expect to have a full roster tonight? We we do minus minus an injury here or there, but yes, all of our players uh, gotcha. are available. We and and no how players, many? Just out of curiosity, uh, how many uh, at, how many different countries um, will will have World Cup players on it? You obviously have you know the the Americans, but uh, any Brazilians, Canadians, and whatnot. Yes, yeah, so uh, Brazilian Dabinha. Canadian uh, Stephanie LaBay. Um, nice. Let's see. And, and then Abby your, your uh, uh, traditional women's Zealand teams: or... Crystal Dunn, uh, Sam Ewis, Abby Dalkemper. Um, who else am I missing? Jessica McDonald. And then that's uh, pro- McCall. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sam Ewis is my daughter's Zerboni, favorite player. So hard for me to hard for me to forget her. <laughs> so she would never let me live that down. So. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Women's World Cup, if you don't mind. Um, obviously, you are going to be watching closely, not just for the Courage players, but also as a general manager of a of a team, you're going to be looking at potential signings. How do you go about watching that? Do you watch just the the big games? Do you watch as much as you can? Are you trying to find any kind of uh, diamonds hidden in the rough? Uh, kind of give everybody an idea of how you're of a very successful professional team goes about watching the World Cup? Well, it's interesting because um, our season doesn't stop for the World Cup. It'll, we have a, about a week off um, during the, the first uh, you know, round of action. Um, but we'll be busy uh, hosting games as well as uh, uh, with away games um, through a lot of the World Cup. But Absolutely. As, as both the general manager and a fan, um, 
I'll be watching as many games as possible. Our technical staff, uh, the same. Um, and we will uh, look forward to uh, a lot of great action. Um, the depth of the talent in the, in the tournament just gets better and better. The commitment of, of many of the national teams towards their women's teams is, is certainly growing. Um, the, the quality of the, the individual clubs around the world and in places like France and in Germany, England is, is growing. So it, it's a celebration of the sport, but it, you're, as you said, it's also a, a place to see um, the best against the best and, and to uh, find some uh, targets, some players and track some players and, and, uh, you know, uh, stay abreast so of which, uh, of, uh, which match uh, are you looking forward the to the most? I mean, I know what I have and I'll let you know that in a second, but I'm curious is which, what, what you think it would be the, uh, your favorite match to actually watch. Oh, wow. You know, I, I don't know that I'll have a, a favorite, but, uh, you know, the, the possibility of, a, of a U.S. versus France in Paris, uh, I believe that would be in the quarterfinals um, looming out there uh, is, is pretty, uh, pretty tasty. Um, selfishly, I hope that uh, if they're going to play them, that it uh, is later in the tournament, but uh if it's if it's at that stage, that would that would be pretty pretty amazing. The French are uh, a fantastic team, tons of talent. Uh, we obviously have a, a burgeoning rivalry with with Lyon, and and are very familiar with uh, a number of their fantastic French national team players. So uh, that one looming yeah, out there. Yeah, that's the one is, I'm looking forward uh, to. I believe it's hard to beat. I think it's the quarters or even the semis. I, I, I wish it was the finals because uh, if both those teams could make it to the finals in Paris, defending World Cup yeah. champions against a, a very capable uh, French team would be just – that's FIFA gold if they could make that happen. But uh, unfortunately, it's going to have to be a, either a quarter or a semi. I can't remember which one, but that's the one I'm looking forward to as well. So speaking of the Women's World Cup, um, you, you said that you have this uh, relationship with some of the French players because of the uh, – new rivalry that's all of a sudden happened with Leon. Have you know, of course you've noticed this, but it seems like domestic leagues are where a lot of the younger players are obviously getting their run. And they're just now starting to go across the, you know, the, the oceans to other places. How has the French domestic league been uh, such a catalyst for the French national team? Is it, just they're they're putting the money into it now. They're actually focusing on it because that's a very good young team and a real threat. Not only just because they're playing at home, but a real threat to all the the traditional powerhouses of the U.S. and Brazil. Um, we obviously want the NWSL to do that, but how have you seen from a distance and a general manager in a women's league the French put in their uh, putting their star uh, female players on a pedestal to make their national team better? Yeah, I think it, it for me, it all starts in the club environment. And uh, we saw up close uh, last year at ICC in Miami, the, the PSG team um, and the organization around it, as well as Lyon. And uh, just very impressed. You know, the, 
the the quality of the the coaching, the the depth of the talent, um, the salaries that they're paying, um, the commitment from the the clubs to to field uh, you know the best possible team, um, you know, and and uh, that is that's the key, the the club environment, the day to day. Um, the, the teaching that they're getting and, and, and attracting talented players. And, and quite honestly, they're attracting them younger and younger. Um, I think it's, it's something that we're seeing more and more um, in the women's game is, is, is players uh, playing in a professional environment uh, at, at younger ages. Um, so that's something that uh, as fans of the, the women's national team, as supporters of the women's national team, um, we all have to be paying attention to is, is the best practices of, of what's driving the game forward in, in other countries. And uh, that's certainly PSG and, and Lyon are certainly at the core of, of what's driving. Now, have, how's their academy uh, structure set forward. up? Or do you know, I mean, do they have like on the men's side, they have the academy all the way up through kind of this, like you, you wait all the way up to you 23. Is it the same on the women's side? Or are they still developing that? Well, yeah, they are certainly developing top talent, you know, and uh, I can't speak to the exact age groups and, and when they bring them into underneath the PSG or Lyon umbrella. Um, but uh, they're doing it. Um, they're, they're, they're teaching them at younger and younger ages um, and they're bringing them into their professional environment, uh, you know, at, at earlier ages. So it's, it's, it's impressive. And, and, uh, it's, it's certainly, uh, a reason why, but they're year in and year out. They're both so, at the top of the table. Uh, yeah, and, I've come and across the, the uh, every year, the, uh, U S soccer allocates certain players to certain club teams. And this year in, in 2019, you had Abby Dalkemper, Crystal Dunn, um, Stephanie, is, is it LeBay? Okay, make sure I said that right. Sam Ewis and McCall Zerboni. Can you yes. explain just really briefly what allocated players mean? Um, it, it, just a very basic of terms. Is it just that they have their rights? Is it they help pay some of their salaries? Just if you don't mind, can you explain that a little bit? Well, basically, yeah, basically federated players um, are players that that the national team – Sorry, that U.S. soccer has um, has uh, earmarked as being players that are going to be um, contracted to U.S. soccer to to receive their salary, and so that's something that U.S. soccer decides um, at the beginning of each year. Um, they help. That's part of their uh, commitment to. Um, you know, growing the game and, and, and assisting in WSL, that they take responsibility for those salaries of those federated players. Um, I can't remember the exact number. I think it's 20 approximately, 22 maybe. Um, and, and so that list changes gotcha. annually that. at the beginning of each year. Okay. Canada, Canada does the same thing. Um, and I'm not sure, I don't think it's 20. I think it's probably a, a smaller number, but, uh, they, they, um, they make the decision on, on who the players are 
and uh, working coordination with the players uh, as it relates okay. to um, the details. No, that's perfect. Thank you. So that's that's so the, that's the we're short shift gears a little bit here because we've got about uh, another six or seven minutes to, to chat with you. So uh, I want to jump into the NCFC um, on the USL side, but before we jump into that, I want to give a little bit of background uh, on you. You uh, native Raleighan. I guess is how you guys say it, Raleighan. Is that right? Um, NC State alum. Uh, you worked with uh, the Railhawks when they were back with NASL. But prior to that, um, and going to age myself a little bit here and possibly age you a little bit, and I apologize. But back in uh, my junior and senior year of high school, back in '97 and '98, you were actually the general manager of the Richmond Kickers, and uh, that was I grew up in Richmond, so. I remember watching uh, Rob Ucrop and those guys play at City Stadium. So just a little bit of a connection there. And yes, it, good times. Yeah. Absolutely. So before we jump into the NCFC side, how has the the game changed in terms of how you are general manager of a team? I mean, it's obviously changed dramatically over the last ten years or so, uh, or twenty years. Sorry, I should, it's changed in ten, but twenty years ago since I graduated high school, now I'm really feeling old. Uh, how has it changed in terms of managing that team? Because the sport has changed, right? So there's got to be different different ways and techniques. Obviously, there's more players available. But how have you managed that change from the kickers in the late 90s and to, you know, NCFC and, and the NC Courage? Well, it, yeah, it has changed a lot. And, and uh, most of it is, is positive, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's great for the American game. That's at all levels. You know, we, we have um, many, many more franchises um, than we had back in the, the late 90s. You know, in the late 90s, it was uh, a dozen or so in MLS. Um, and uh, I don't know, let's say – um, I don't know, maybe 16, 18 USISL franchises around the country. Um, no women's league at that particular moment at the division one level. So you fast forward, uh, you know, 20 years or so, and we've got the largest youth to pro soccer club in the country. When you include the, the all the way from the rec young rec players, all the way up to having men's and women's professional teams um, approximately 14,000 youth players, uh, you know, USL season, uh, NWSL season, um, you know, an urban stadium project uh, in the works, an MLS uh, bid. Uh, so, the, yeah, the job has changed a lot, but, but in, in, in great ways. Um, and it mirrors what's happening around the country. The the depth of talent from a coaching standpoint, the depth of talent from the playing standpoint, both male and female, is is late years uh, ahead of where we were. Um, the amount of quality franchises, um, you know, that in terms of jobs for players is, um, you know, late years ahead of where where it was. The facilities just billions and billions of dollars spent on um, soccer facilities, stadiums around the country. Um, you know, I can go on and on. You know, at that point, it was, it was very difficult to watch soccer on television. There was not a lot of soccer on television in the late 90s. 
Um, it was just starting to hit its stride. You know, we had MLS, you know, access to some European games um, through cable television. Now we have uh, 24-7 availability to the best games all over the world and, and throughout the United States. So it's hard to even begin to compare to, to, to how far we've come um, over the last 20 years. And uh, I think we're going to see similar growth over the next 20 years. So we all want it to happen sooner. We all want, uh, you know, to win the World Cup on the men's side and, and certainly defend on the women's side. Um, but, man, we have to take a step back and, and, and appreciate uh, how far we've come over the last two decades. I'd love to win the World Cup on the men's side, but at this point I'm just happy to qualify next time. So, um, so go ahead. I'm going to give you the platform, and, and uh, I want you to brag a little bit about uh, NCFC and, and how the strong start and the hire of the new head coach and how all that stuff's going. So the, the podium is yours, Floor. Go right ahead. You can. Yeah, fant- I appreciate it. Fantastic to have Dave Sarakin, uh, uh, just a highly, highly respected head coach um, for a, a multi-decade career. And, you know, most recently with our U.S. men's national team, as well as uh, in MLS, all the successes that he's had there and at the college level, um, we were able to, to sign him up and, and he's hit the ground running uh, undefeated thus far, five games in, two wins uh, in the USL season, two ties and a, a fantastic win over Liga MX Nacoxa team um, that was playing a lot of their starters. So the start has been terrific. Uh, we know we need to improve, and, and our guys are working exceptionally hard. They have a away game this weekend in Atlanta, um, trying to, to get three points on the road, and, and the women obviously home against Chicago. So exciting part of our calendar, getting the women started and, and seeing the, the men, um, you know, hitting their stride early. So uh Home games basically every weekend at Salem Stadium at Wake Med Soccer Park. I believe we do have the weekend off from home games uh, next Saturday. Um, but that is the rare uh, weekend with, with no home game, uh, men or women. So uh, we invite folks throughout North Carolina, the Charlotte area, to, to come um, and enjoy some very high-level soccer. We'll be actually headed to – um, headed to Charlotte next weekend to play the independents on the men's side. So looking forward to renewing that. Yeah, rivalry. that is a, uh, a been very lopsided rivalry over the years, but it's a lot of fun between uh, Jackson Militia, the supporters group for Indian uh, Oak city on, on your guys' side. So that's going to be a, a fun one. The atmosphere is always electric when uh, those two teams get together. And, and I, I do want to commend you for the hire of Dave Sarkin. He is a phenomenal soccer mind and, uh, it, probably the best hire of any of the the soccer teams that I could think of uh, this past year. So good job on him. And, and he's, uh, it's amazing to me that, that this is, I think his first head coaching job for a club side, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in, a in a while, he, he's been an assistant uh, at the, at, with the galaxy for many years and, and with the national team, um, head coach. He was uh, Chicago oh, Fire right. head coach. Uh, 
years ago, had great success. Yeah, well, there. he's a, he's a good one, and it's uh, it's proven on the field. So, um, I, I think that's a good place to stop. Is there anything else you'd like to plug, sir, before we wrap this up? No, I, I hey, I thank you for for what you're doing to to grow the game and, and the podcast and we'll be sure and, and tuning in. Throughout yeah. Yeah. The year. We've, um, we're, we're going to have some players on from the NCFC side and the courage side uh, throughout the year. So uh, we'll take care of that. No worries there, but that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the second yellow soccer show. You can't find the podcast on ESPN, Charlotte.net, iTunes, Spotify, really anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at second yellow show. That's the number two ND yellow show. And let us know what you think. Uh, for the president general manager of the North Carolina Courage and NCFC, Mr. Kurt Johnson and myself, uh, thank you for listening. And remember, no matter, no matter who you support, let's all work together to grow the game.